Here's a message from today's episode sponsor. First Financial Bank is one of the nation's leading small business lenders, originating nearly 400 million in pharmacy loans. Their lending team has over 75 years of pharmacy experience and includes pharmacists as well as current and former pharmacy owners. They have the industry-specific expertise and knowledge to help you finance your pharmacy. First Financial was approved to offer small business administration loan products under SBA's preferred lender program and offer financing solutions to help practicing pharmacists meet a wide range of business needs, such as acquisition, equipment financing, expansion and remodeling, business refinancing, and startups. Learn more at ffb1.com. That's ffb1.com. Member FDIC. You are listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hello and welcome again to Occupation Station. I'm Diane Donato and today our guest is a 1993 graduate, Dan Bosley. He is the owner of Keysville Pharmacy Incorporated and I think we have another innovator with us. We're going to get to that though a little bit later in this interview. First, Dan, let me welcome you to Occupation Station. Thank you so much. It's uh, my pleasure to be here. Let's start out with this. As a student at ACPHS, how did you originally picture your career going? <laughs> Uh, certainly not where it's at today. I knew I was going to pharmacy school at a fairly young age. Um, I have some relatives who are pharmacists by the name of Duto, um, and the oldest son, Mike, um, was a, a graduate, I believe, in 91, and his two other brothers weren't far behind him. Their father's a pharmacist, my uncle, also my godfather, so I knew that I was going to do it. But back in you know the late 80s, early 90s, pharmacists were just those people in white jackets behind the counter who dispensed your medication. So it's really where I thought I'd be, and I thought I'd be in a, you know, the traditional role, which was a community chain pharmacy somewhere in the in the North Country here in New York. Tell us a little bit about being an independent pharmacist. What about that appeals to you? Well, I think first and foremost, most of us who go into pharmacy anyway. I can't speak for other professions, but I think most of us who go into pharmacy go into it with the purpose of wanting to, uh, knowing that we can have a positive impact on the health care of the people we serve. So when I looked at uh, independent pharmacy, I I had been moonlighting, if you will, when I was a chain pharmacist um, at a couple different independent pharmacies. And I just thought, you know, you cut through all of the corporate red tape when you're an independent pharmacy owner because you are the corporate red tape. So that was really the appeal. Little did I know 15 years in that the payment models were all going to change and things were going to get really tough and uh, financially tough, but still boils down to this day, the ability to provide quality, top-notch customer health care. And you wouldn't want to do it any other way. Correct. And I think this is now year, oh, jeepers, 21 for me coming up shortly in a couple months of independent pharmacy ownership. Despite all the struggles, despite all of the crap that pharmacists and independent pharmacists and independent pharmacy owners go through, at the end of the day, it's knowing that my customers, my patients can send a message after hours, can shoot me an email if they're hospice or if they're friends, they can shoot me a text and know that I could provide that 
information or log into the store, meet them there on a Sunday and get them the health care that they need without needing any permission or having to jump through hoops to do it. And that concern you have for your patients, for your customers, clearly must have been present with this innovation. I've really been looking forward to talking with you about this. You have come <coughs> up with some wonderful enhancements to your pharmacies to add fresh foods and SNAP benefits. Can you tell us some more about that? Sure. And I'd love to take credit for the idea in the innovation, but I will throw a plug out there right now if I can. There is a wonderful, wonderful not-for-profit organization called ADK Action, who is a local community, like I said, not-for-profit, who approached me and said, look, you know, little did I know at the time, this was back in 2017, so five years ago, um, little did I know that my my store in Keysville, and actually I have a, a second store as well. I have a store in Ralph's Point, New York, uh, Cornerstone Drug and Gift, and we're doing the same program there. Little did I know that, that both of my stores were not only in a food desert, but were also in a pharmacy desert. This ADK Action approached me and said, hey, look, you know, uh, I know you used to have a, I, I was a owner of a Radio Shack franchise, which went defunct many, many years ago. And they said, what are you doing with that department? I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm just selling through it. So long and short, they said, would you like to do a daily farmer's market? And I said, uh, my store in Keysville is a tiny, it's just a traditional, when you think about a hometown, local, independently owned pharmacy, that's what it is. It's a small store, small footprint. And I said, I don't have room for 10 vendors or 12 vendors or whatever. And they said, no, no, no. What if we, you know, what if we do some fundraising and we get a couple coolers and we figure out how we, you know, get the local producers, growers to sell to you at wholesale? And we, we started, of course, like anything, you start with funky procedures and, and it was clunky and awkward and weird and we did consignment. But we now have, I don't know, probably... 30 vendors, and I can tell you when you start to include the people who are farming, who are growing, repackaging, producing, slaughtering, freezing local grass-fed meats, making cheese, when you include them into your portfolio, you truly become part of the community. It's amazing. And you made that happen, that partnership with the local farmers. Absolutely, yeah. You, without question, through the heavy lifting of ADK Action, we have made that happen. And we have some really big vendors who are local. Some of them grow and package. Some of them receive produce from, you know, other local farmers and package. And, but all the way down to, you know, uh, we have a, our newest one is uh, Packages Honey. has their own bees. And they're all within 15 miles of our store. And that's through, you know, I don't want to mislead anybody. That's through May through November, you know, here in the Northeast. Uh, when you get to the middle of October through April, May, you really don't have much for fresh, fresh greens and vegetables other than root vegetables. But we have plenty of squash, acorn squash, potatoes, onions, garlic through the season. And we do outsource through a couple uh, regional. Uh, we've got a place out of Utica, New York, that we source some of our produce through the winter, and we've got a national one as well. But our, our model has always been local first, regional second, state, and then national. But we strive for, I don't like to use the term organic, but locally grown, if you will. 
and not mass produced. Do you have patients who are calling up the store to ask, not only is my prescription ready, but do you happen to have any milk in stock? Absolutely. So what a godsend through COVID. We actually had shut our doors for three months uh, in 2020 when we couldn't get any cleaning or sanitizing supplies and, and we didn't know what to do. It was the start of, you know, a mess. And we shut our doors to walk-in traffic and we just did delivery and curbside. And we actually were doing Google Sheets so people could get onto our website and they could see exactly what we had. We've kind of slipped away from that a little bit, but we still have people who come in and say, hey, you know, are you getting your, your bread delivery today? Are you getting your wood-fired pizza delivery today? Or when are you getting it? Can we, you know, can we get on a list? And so, yes. They do ask that, and the goal really would be to, and I'm working on this at Cornerstone Drug right now. I'm in a a national diabetic program trying to figure out how we can match good, local, fresh, quality food with dietary needs based on the fact that these people in our this program will be diabetic. This is just a fantastic story, Dan. I just, again, I think it's just so innovative. I do have more questions for you, but we're going to take a quick moment for a message from ACPHS President Dr. Greg Dewey. Hi, Greg Dewey. I'm the president of Albany College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences. Pharmacists, they can do so much more than they are doing. They are trained well beyond their practice. And it's become even more important because of the decline in our primary care. Uh, Roughly a third of our primary care physicians are going to retire. They're in their 60s, and they are not going to be replaced. And so who's going to replace them? It's going to be nurse practitioners, it's going to be physician assistants, and it's going to be pharmacists. And pharmacists have the training to do much, much more. It wasn't too many years ago you would never dream of a pharmacist immunizing. And now it's second nature. But the world is getting complicated, too. And pharmacists understand the complexity. If you go into a nursing home, chances are the average person could be on anywhere from 20 to 30 medications. If you just think about the complexity of that, just the process of figuring out which to take when is a daunting process. You know, a, a doctor will take one semester of pharmacology in medical school. Pharmacists take four years. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of advances in science that are pushing the frontier. Pharmacists, I'm, I'm very big on the profession. I call it the central health science. There is nothing in the practice of medicine that doesn't involve pharmacy. So pharmacy is the central science, and we have to grow out from that. Welcome back to Occupation Station. Our guest today, Dan Bosley. He's a 1993 graduate and the owner of a couple of pharmacies. Uh, Keysville Pharmacy is, I think, where you are right now today, Dan? I'm actually at home today. I was at uh, Cornerstone Drug, uh, my second store. Uh, Earlier today, I'll be at Keysville on Wednesday, and I do uh, share time between the two. And I didn't let you ask your question, but both stores uh, are participating and are doing this, uh, we call it the pharmacy, and pharmacy too, both with an F, a local daily farmer's market. Cornerstone actually just uh, did theirs within the last year and a half through some some really innovative grant funding from our local health department, from our local JCEO as well. And that's part of the life of an independent pharmacist, I'm sure, which is a very busy life. What would you say is the future for independent pharmacies? 
Well, I would say, or I would have to guess that most people who are or will be listening to this call are pharmacists, are future pharmacists, are training pharmacists, are working with pharmacists, are some way involved with pharmacists. So they would know that over the course of the last year and a half, the life of a pharmacist has gotten to be very, very, very miserable, no matter where you work and no matter who you work for. Quotas are being installed. Uh, you know, you've got to give this many COVID shots. Even if you don't have a quota, you know, if you're, if, if you're working for some of my large chain competitors are, are offering uh, Pfizer shots, Pfizer 11 to, to 17, Pfizer 5 to 10, Pfizer boosters, Moderna, Moderna boosters, um, and they're all interchanged. And that doesn't take away the fact that we still have those patients who are getting pneumonia shots, who are getting shingle shots, who are getting flu shots. So the burden of pharmacists has been increased dramatically um, over the last year to year and a half. So I think the role for the independent pharmacy is we so for me we offer one set of shots so when i do a, a covid clinic um and i only do moderna shots and it was happened to be with storage initially and then it just got to be it, it's not worth investing in in a super cool uh freezer and we had a state site locally that was giving ton of Pfizer. so we'll do a moderna clinic and then we'll have our patients who have come in to say hey look i need a pneumonia shot or I need a Tdap, or I need a shingle shot, and we'll work them into that Moderna clinic and have them their stuff kept in the pharmacy while I'm out in the vaccination room with with the Moderna clinic. So we we're not we have no chance of mix up, no chance of you know I'm sorry I gave you a Moderna shot, you were here for shingles, just to kind of streamline it. So it makes it a little bit easier for my staff, but I think. That's what independents can, look, we can set our own guidelines, our own structure, and I think that's really where we're headed. And any of us now can, can process prescriptions on a computer. I have technicians who now can do it better than I do, but it's what service can we provide? How do we think outside the box to do it? And I think that's where independent pharmacy is going. And I think if we can get a hold on pharmacy payers, and New York State is very, very, very close. We're waiting on some uh, budget passing uh, legislation right now. But if we can get a hold on that, there's no stopping independence. I mean, all pharmacists or most pharmacists who aren't burnt out care deeply about the people they serve. It's the reason we went into this profession. But when you can see light at the end of the tunnel and know you're making a difference and know you can have a 10-minute conversation, know you can test somebody's A1C, which is a pilot program I'm in right now at Cornerstone, and have a conversation with them about their diabetes or do a national diabetic program. There's just so many options. And, and again, it's not having to wade through all of the red tape and wait for a three-week reply from corporate. And so I think if we are persistent, if independent pharmacy owners currently are persistent, there will be some longevity going forward. And what advice would you give to current ACPHS students? So I'm asked that frequently. I've done a couple, several actually Zooms for some professional organizations at ACPHS. I think there's several. Obviously, they have to work for somebody before they get licensed. They have to do an internship. They have to do an externship or rotations. Ask questions. Questions are free, <laughs> and especially to pharmacists. I mean, for all intents and purposes, we're the only healthcare professional who you can just walk in, ask a question, 
not pay a fee and get an answer. So I think the same should come from students. Should be asking questions. You should be looking under every stone. There are a ton of opportunities. And you don't know when you're in school what you're going to end up doing. You you think you know. I didn't think I was going to be an independent pharmacy owner. But I think you need to pursue every opportunity, every option, and see where it takes you. So asking questions would be the key. Dan Bosley, 1993 graduate, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. For more information or to schedule a tour, visit acphs.edu. You can tune in to all of our informative stories at acphs.edu forward slash podcast. Each podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeart, giving you the opportunity to listen from a mobile device. Mark Occupation Station as a favorite, and you'll receive push notifications as soon as we publish something new. Occupation Station is also a proud member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, the largest podcast content directory dedicated to the business and profession of pharmacy.